series that we've been in for several weeks called uh, Relate. How many's had a good time in this series? I know Pastor David and Dara, uh, last couple of weeks, they focused on uh, marriage and, and, and how that when we relate to God, when we begin to relate to God uh, that, uh, and, and, and see Him as our Redeemer and our Savior, really it begins to affect the way that we love our spouse. We love each other. How many are thankful that God can help us with our marriages? As a matter of fact, this entire series is based on this thought, this principle. The principle is this. As this relationship, our relationship with God develops and gets stronger, as we relate to God and we continue to relate to him the way that he wants us to relate to him, it affects every other relationship around us. As we relate to God, as we relate to God, and we begin to see him the way that he desires for us to see him. We relate to him. We respond to him that way. What happens is, is that we begin to relate to other people around us. We begin to see people differently. We begin to see things differently. And it really is a life-changing thing. How many can say amen to that? And, and so in Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31... Jesus said this, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. In other words, love God with everything you've got. Let me say it this way, be all in in loving God, right? In verse 31, it says the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. In other words, again, Jesus is saying, love God with everything that you have, but also what? That, that, that vertical relationship, but also love people around you with everything that you have. Love your neighbor. So as we get better at this, right, it's going to affect every other relationship around us. I, I made this statement. I've been making this statement throughout this series, and I just want to say it again because I, I think it's really good. Not because I think I'm really good. But anyway, it says you really can't love God effectively without loving people. You really can't love God effectively without loving people. And you really can't love people effectively without loving God. How many of you know God can bring some folks in your life that there's no way that you can love them with your love? (laughs) You got to have some Jesus love. In the way that you love Jesus, you can begin to love those people. And, and, and so it's a powerful thing when this takes place. So the question is this, how do you relate to God? How do you, how do you, how do you, how do you relate to God? And, or you could say it this way, how do you, how do you connect with him? Do you, do you, do you, who is God to you? Have you ever asked yourself that question? God, who, who are you to me? Who, who are you? Are, 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 God, are you my creator? Well, the answer is yes. How many in the room are thankful that God created you? That you're not just a result of some random collision. <laughs> Sometimes I look at myself and I begin to go, maybe I was part, you know, maybe. It's like age a little bit. Well, is this designed to be that way or what? But anyway, God is our creator. And here, here's the point that I want to make about God being our creator. When we, when we view God and we relate to God as God our creator, we respect and value the way that he created us. And we realize that he created us to be in relationship with people. He, relay, he, he created us to be connected with people. That is the reason it is vital that we are in healthy relationships. Can somebody say amen to that? Can I give a real shout out to, this, uh, to, to, to our church? Um, I was looking at our, our numbers in regards to our uh, life group and our life group launch and the participation of individuals that we have in our life group. This church 
uh, is killing it <laughs> in regards to the number of people that are involved in life groups. So could you give yourself a great big hand? I'm just, <laughs> you guys are setting the standard. And I mean that you are setting the standard. So keep up whatever you're doing, because again, that is one of our values here. One of our values is relationships. And it is just, you guys are doing phenomenal. But the reason, again, that we value relationships is that we know God created us to be, to be connected. And how many of you know that God is also our father? We relate to God as our father. And as we relate to God as our father, it really helps us relate to our kids and it helps us raise our children and guide our children. It also helps us relate to the younger generation and the generation that's following us. How many believe that's important? How many of you know it's important to be a a multi-generational church? (laughs) It's important that we're a multi-generational what? Church. All these messages are at, uh, on our archives at uh, thedwellingplace.tv, so you can go and see all the messages. But today, today, I want to introduce you to another view of God. It's another view of God, and we're talking about this Relate series. And actually, Jesus introduces this view as he did as he did the overwhelming majority of the time because Jesus was able to introduce God in a way that others couldn't. Are you following me? The prophets could not introduce God the way that Jesus did and could. And, and so Jesus introduces God from another view. In Matthew chapter 9, he gives us the introduction. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 38, it says, Therefore, pray to, and here's what I want you to see here, pray to the Lord of the what? Pray to the Lord of the what? And he will send out laborers into his harvest. So there are a couple things that I want to point out about this scripture. Number one is Jesus was giving us more than just a directive. In other words, he was giving us more than just a directive. What he was saying to us is, is, is I want you to see from a little bit different perspective. I know that rhymes and I'm not a poet, but I thought it worked really good. That God wasn't just giving us a directive to say, go pray. He was giving us a perspective, and it was a very important perspective in regards to how we view God because he referred to him as the Lord of the harvest. So God is our father. God is our creator. God is our God, and he's also what? The Lord of the what? The harvest. So that's the view that God, Jesus, is giving us. He's saying that God is the Lord of the harvest. If you're taking notes, write this down because this is a very important part right here that I want you to see. And and that is this. When we see God from this perspective, we realize, we realize what season that we live in. We begin to view and we begin to recognize and we begin to see the season that, 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 that we're, we're, we're living in. Now, now, when Jesus was talking to the, to the group of people here, what he was doing is Jesus was speaking in agricultural terms to people who understood agricultural processes. Jesus was speaking in agricultural terms, harvest, to people who understood agricultural processes. And today, people who really understand agricultural processes, it really is getting fewer and fewer. In other words, a lot of people don't understand the farming process. We just show up at the store and we're like, I have no idea how these beans got here, but I'm just thankful that they're here. I don't, I don't know how this watermelon got here, but I'm just going to buy it and I'm going to go home and eat it. I don't know how it got here, but how many of you realize that vegetables, fruit, and all these different things, they just don't appear. They are a result of an agricultural what? Process. The result of an agricultural process. And so, so really, really, it's not, it's not real complicated. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boil it down and make it really easy to understand when I'm talking about this agricultural process. It really works this way. Number one, there's cultivation. 
There's cultivation. The next, the ne- the next step is, is there's planting. There's planting. And then the next step is that there's harvest. Everybody say the word harvest. Now, Jesus said, introduce us to another view, right? He said, he's the Lord of the what? There are three distinct uh, seasons when it comes to the agricultural process. There's the what cultivation. Then there was the what the, the time and point where they plant the seed. And then there's what there is, 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 is harvest. And again, here's what we're talking about. We're talking about realizing the season that we're living in. Are you following me? So, so let me give you a simple Bible lesson, simple Bible lesson. If you look at the Bible, if you look up, look at the Bible as a whole, from Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. If you look at the Bible, it's really divided up into three different seasons. <laughs> three different seasons. Number one, they're, they're, from Genesis to Malachi, uh, there's the, what I would like to say it this way. From Genesis to Malachi, there was the season where God was cultivating some things. From Genesis to Malachi, God was cultivating. He was working. He was breaking up the ground for something. You know, when he was working with Abraham and David and Isaac and Jacob, he was plowing. When they were obeying him and they were walking out God's plan for their life, what God was really doing is he was using them to cultivate the soil for that. So that was taking place from Genesis to Malachi. That was that was taking place. That was season number one. Then season number two is the what that's there's cultivating and then there's what there's the planting season. So season number two really happened in the Gospels. It's a little Bible lesson this morning. It, ha- it happened in the Gospels. What, what, was, what was God doing in the Gospels? I can tell you what he was doing. He was planting a seed. <laughs> it was seed planting time. Let, listen to what Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says. It says, but when the right time finally came. <laughs> you see, from Genesis to Malachi, God, God was looking. He was cultivating, but he knew. He was thinking. In his, he, don't, he doesn't think. He knew. <laughs> He knew in his heart, in his mind, I'm cultivating, but there's a moment, there's a time that's coming when I'm going to plant a seed. Paul's referring to that specific time. It said, but when the right time finally came, God sent his own son. He came to as the son of the human mother and he lived under Jewish law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might become God's children. Ladies and gentlemen, when Jesus came to the earth, it was more than just a beautiful story in which it is. It was more than just a, a, a something about that, that we celebrate once a, once a year as far as the resurrection. How many believe the resurrection should be celebrated every day. I said, how many believe the resurrection should be celebrated every day? The reason that Jesus came to the earth, the reason that all of that happened is that God wanted to plant a seed. It didn't stay in the ground that long. Let me say it this way. He didn't stay in the ground that long. It only stayed in the ground three days. Is anybody excited about the fact that that seed was sent for us and it only stayed in the ground three days because that seed is named Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here that's thankful for Jesus and the fact that God cultivated and then he planted? (laughs) You see, and then it was the third season. What are the three seasons? There's the cultivating, then there's the planting of the seed, and then there's the third season. 
Because after the cross, there's a harvest. John 12, 23 and 24. Paul, I mean, Jesus talked about this. Jesus replied that the time had come for him to return to his glory. And, and he said this, he said, and that I must fall and die like a kernel of wheat that falls into the what furrows of the earth that had been prepared for him. Unless I die, be planted, I will be alone a single seed. I love this part. But he said, but my death will produce many new wheat kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. What was Jesus talking about? Jesus was saying right here, when I am planted and because I am planted, it's going to produce. It's going to kick us over into the new season. And guess what season that is? It is the season of harvest. It is the season that we're living in today. It is the time. Time of harvest. Now, again, again, we're talking about relating to God and about, about relating to God as the Lord of the what? The. <laughs> you know, I've, 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 I've had, oh gosh, one of the biggest questions that I've had asked in, in the years of ministry is this Are, are we living in the last days? <laughs> are, 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 we living, are we living in the last days? I mean, I mean, I've been hearing it for a long time. I've had the question for many, many years. Are we living in the, in the last days? And the answer is what? It is yes. We're living in the days of harvest. We are living in the last days. Now, again, I, I grew up, I grew up in a, in a church environment where we had some hail and brimstone preaching. So what we say hell in the South is hail. It's hail. I, had, I heard lots of sermons about, you know, turning burn. And, and then, I mean, I heard, did you grow up in that church too? I mean, it was, I grew up in that one. It was, you better turn or you're going to burn. You got to get right, you're going to get left. I mean, I had all these cool little sayings just to, just to scare it right out of you. You know what I'm saying? In other words, and the, the big one was, the big one was the rapture is coming and you don't want to get left behind. <laughs> I, I, there were some old movies that came out. I remember as a kid, I watched this old movie and it was about, it was, a, it was probably a little bit before uh, middle school that, that the youth pastor actually showed this. It was a reel-to-reel. How many remember the old reel-to-reel movie? Click, 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 that, that one. I mean, you, you younger, just go Google it. The younger ones go Google it. It's just... <laughs> And so I remember watching this thing. And it scared me. It was about, about this, this young lady that, that Jesus returned. She got, she got left. She went through the tribulation. And, and, and I was trying to figure out what they were talking about, this tribulation thing. And they were talking about mid-trib. You know, do you believe in mid-tribulation? Meaning that the church is going to go through a bunch of difficult time. And Jesus is going to come back in the middle of all those difficulties. And, and, and then there's the post-tribulation that the church is going to go through all these difficult times. And God's going to come back. God's going to send Jesus back after. Or was it pre-trib? You know, uh, the church is not going to go through any of the difficult times. But he's going to come back before. I kind of voted for pre-trib. I was like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> If we can vote on it, God, I'll, I'll take the pre-tree of brow. That's the way that I'd like to go. But I remember, I remember we just hear all these stories about getting left behind. And, and it just would scare the Gahana out of me. Some of you who are familiar with the Bible understood what I said right there. But anyway, it just scared me. I remember one time I, I walked into my, uh, my house. And, and when I walked into my house, everybody was supposed to be there. <laughs> Yeah. So I walked into my house and everybody was supposed to be there. So I walked in and I said, Mom, hey, Mom. <laughs> no answer. It's like, ooh. And then I, and I said, 
my younger brother, Chris, hey, Chris, I'm walking through the house. Man, I'm looking in closets. I'm looking under the bed. Then my youngest brother's name is Tim. I'm calling Tim. Tim, is, is, any, is anybody home? And the, nobody answered. I thought, oh, God, this is no joke. Oh, God, I've been left behind. I mean, uh, next thing I know, it's going to be 666 all these times. I mean, it's just... So I thought, what am I going to do? I, mean, I was scared. I was thinking, what am I going to do? So I went over to the phone and, and I picked up the phone. This was back in the day where we had a long cord. How I many had the long cord? I mean, had that long cord. You go all over the house with it. How many talking about? I mean, it was 45 feet long. You go everywhere, all over that. And we were high tech, weren't we? We were like, I'm, I'm going to the bedroom to talk on my phone and dragging the cord with you. Kind of pull that, pull that cord, right? So I went to the phone. I dialed, I dialed my mamaw's phone number. I dialed it, rotary dial. You guys remember that? Rotary dial. And, and then as soon as Mamaw hung up, I, uh, excuse me, as soon as Mamaw answered the phone, I hung up real quick. Because <laughs> here's why. I knew if Mamaw was still here, I'm still good. Because <laughs> I knew it. I thought if Mamaw hadn't gone to heaven, somebody's just at the store or something. That's where everybody else is at. So I just got relief in that moment. So the reality is this. We're, we're living, we are living in the last days. We are living in the time of harvest. And, 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 and the, the thing is this, is, is if you, you just look around, you, you look around and you could see some stuff that Paul described a long time ago. And you can look around and you go, yeah, he's described it uh, several, several generations back. Paul described, listen to what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 3, talking about the season that we're living in. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days, harvest, in the last days, there will be difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. (laughs) Anybody seen any of that? Listen to this. Watch this. They will consider nothing sacred. They will consider nothing sacred. Talking about this harvest, this season that we're living in. They will be unloving, unforgiving. They will be slander of, uh, uh, they will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and they will hate what is good. There's, there's just something that really jumped out at me as I was reading Paul's description of this season that we're living in. And it was that phrase there which says, they will consider nothing sacred. Talking about the last days. I looked up sacred. Sacred means there's something that's too important to change or interfere with. Let me just say it this way. Sacred means something that's too valuable to mess with. Have you noticed that today in the, the society that we live in, nothing is out of bounds? Nothing is sacred. The family unit, it's not sacred. Marriage, marriage between a man and a woman. It's, it's, not, it's not sacred. The way that God created us, it's not sacred. But, but, but can I touch on something really quickly that I think is so important that we should consider very sacred? And that's the unborn child. That, 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 that's the unborn child. Because listen, it, it, today, today, that, the unborn child, has become something that's, that's not sacred. And I, I want to say this. I'm going to be very clear. Do not mess 
with the unborn child, that baby is sacred to God and it should be sacred to us. Can somebody say amen to that? That is the reason that as, as a church, listen to me, and I'm not Bible thumping. This is not a political statement. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, as the church, we've got to take our stand. And it's not just going out and, and, and having a demonstration. It's hitting our face before God. It's getting on our knees before God and crying out for this nation and standing for this nation and praying for the unborn child. Can I have better amen than that? Leave the unborn Alone (laughs) is messed up world. But listen to this. As messy as it is, God doesn't see the world as hopeless. He still sees the world as a harvest. And listen to me, listen to me. And we should be thankful that God chose us to live in the season that we're living in today. Is anybody thankful to be alive in the harvest time? I said, is anybody uh, thankful that God chose us to live in this time, this last season, the time of harvest? Well, seven are in the rest. By the time I get done with this, I hope you're convinced. When we begin to write to God as the Lord of the harvest, something incredible begins to take place. And that is this, that is our mission becomes so important. Our mission, our mission as a church becomes so important. So as we're, we're, we relate to God as the Lord of the harvest, our mission becomes of the utmost importance. It becomes very, very clear. So one day Jesus is going through the, um, Jesus is going through the cities and he's preaching and he's just doing what God's called him to do. And he notices some things. He notices some things. He comes back and he begins to talk about them. Matthew nine thirty six. it says, and what pity he felt for the crowds that came. Watch this, watch this. This is, this is what Jesus recognizes. He was going around. He was preaching and he was doing his thing. And, he, and, and, and what pity he felt on the crowds that came because, watch this, their problems were so great. He noticed people and he realized that their problems were really big. But, but he also noticed something else. And they didn't know what to do or where to go for what. Listen, when we realize and we relate to God as the Lord of the harvest... And we realize that we've been put here in this place for this time. We realize that our mission is of paramount importance. What happens is this, is that we look at people and we say this. We go, people have got problems and people don't know where to get help. This is why our mission as a church is critical. And you say this morning, well, Pastor John, what what is our mission? What, what, what is our mission? Because, because here's, something else that, here's something else that Jesus said in Matthew 9, 38. Just, just another verse or two down. He says, therefore, pray to the Lord of harvest. Watch this, that he will send out labors into his what? And so Jesus looked at all these folks and he said, you know what? They, need, they got problems and they need some help. But he also looked and said, I need some help. Jesus said, I can't, I can't get this done alone. I need some folks to step up. I need some people to realize that the season that they're in is critical and is crucial and realize the mission that they've got is super, super important. And so again, you're here this morning and I know you're asking yourself this question. Pastor John, what is our mission as a church? What is it? So, so how many would say this this morning? Say, Pastor John, three people. Some of you are like, I know what you're up to. But just humor me this morning. Say this with me. Say, Pastor John, 
What's our mission? Now, since you asked. Since you asked, our mission is this. Very simple. It's that we help people know God. That's, that's our mission. We, 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 help, we help people know God. We, 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 help, we help people know God. And, and, and because, because, listen, he is the one that can help them. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. You are not responsible for fixing people's problems. I've been pastoring for quite a while. I realize I can't fix people. I can't fix their problem. But what I can do is that I can help get them to connect it to a God that can. I can help them get connected to a God who what? Can fix their what? Problem. So how, how, how do we do that? How do we do that as a, as a church? Well, one is that we just invite people to come to the weekend services. Another thing that we do, we just ask, hey, why don't you come to a group? Come to a small group and hang out. You see, what else? Is there, is there more to the mission than that? Yes, absolutely. Because we want to help people not just know God, but we want to help people discover what their purpose is. Amen. Has anybody here ever heard this before? <laughs> I'm just going to keep saying it. We help people what? discover their purpose. Because you know why? That, that, because when people really begin to walk out their purpose with God, that's really when they begin to live. They really come alive when they discover their purpose. And you may say this morning, Pastor John, I'm here and I have no idea what my, what my you know where I'm going, what my purpose is. I can, I can tell, help you with that. Here at the dwelling place, we can help you with that because one of the things that we do is that we offer Discover the first two Sundays of every month. And you know, one of the things that we help people do and discover, we help people discover what their what? Their purpose. You say, what else is our mission? What else do we do on our mission? Well, it's very, very, very simple. We, we help people make a difference. We, 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 we help people make, make a difference. Here's what we believe. We believe this. We, you cut us, we believe this. We believe that we weren't just saved to be different. We were saved to make a difference. And you're there, you hear this morning, you're going, <laughs> oh, Pastor John, you're always trying to get us to do something. You're always trying to get us to do something. No, I'm just trying to get you to be something. I'm just trying to get you to be. Everybody look at me. What are you passionate about? What are you passionate about? What, what are you passionate about? Everybody look at me. There's more to life than just coming to a church on a weekend service. The reality is, I don't mean to scare anybody. I don't mean to scare anybody. But there's going to be a day where we stand before God. And he's going to say, what did you do with your life? <laughs> and we're going to go, well, I went to church. And he's going to say, that's good. But what else did you do with your life? Do you know the answer he's going to be looking for? He's going to be looking for this answer. God, I made a difference. I made a difference. I made a difference. 
I made a difference. And you know what he's going to say? He's going to say, let's have a party because you made a difference. Amen. So what, I'm going to give you some very practical things, some very practical things. How, how we make a difference. Come on, Sandy. Come on. Everybody give a hand for my beautiful assistant and best friend and my wife right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stay, Egg. Number one, you want to make a difference? Get on the dream team. Dream team is the combination of all of our serve teams here. Uh, to make our weekend services what they are and keep working to, 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 to get better. How many knows that we're going to continue to work and get better for our, on our weekend services? Amen. Just going to keep better and better and better and better. You make a difference by being a part of the dream team. Another way that you can make a difference is that we're helping people make a difference is this. We're announcing series ahead of time. The reason that we're announcing series ahead of time is so that you can contact people, people that you come in contact with, you can invite them to some of these series. Because we're asking, answering questions that a lot of people have about God. We're, we're going to, the next series coming up is the series on the Holy Spirit. You know the Holy Spirit is absolutely misinterpreted, misunderstood. He is one of the most misunderstood subjects in the Bible. Some people are like, will he make you weird? No, 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 no. No, no the Holy Spirit won't make you weird. If you are weird, you are weird. Don't blame it on him. He'll make, you, he'll make you right. He'll keep you sane. How many love sanity? Amen. He'll help you with that. So, so when, when we start promoting it, get out there and bring people. You don't have to. Oh, you just get them here. Just, 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 just get them here. We, we, we have these generosity cards. We have these on both campuses. We, we, just, I just, we just heard a story just the other day at the Shreveport campus about a guy. He, he, he was uh, just a few days before this happened. He was praying and he said, God, I got to find the right church. I know I'm supposed to be in church. Got to find the right church. He honestly, he said this. He, he said, I need a sign, God. Just, I mean, write it in the sky, whatever. I just need a sign. <laughs> And so he's a waiter, and so there was a couple from the church that, had, that was there eating, and he said they were really nice. And so he said, when I, I brought them their ticket, he said, I came back, and he said, there was, there was, there was a, a card. There was, he said, as he was telling the story, he said, there was a card on the table, and it said, God loves you. And he's actually telling me this story. And so in my mind, I, I'm thinking, I know where this is going. And, and, and so, so he, he said, I thought that was really good. And he said, also I looked and he said, there was an, a magnificent tip <laughs> was there, which I thought was brilliant. Because we need to connect God with good. Right? And so he picked it up and he turned it over and he said, I looked and it had the name and address and the time of the church, the times of the church. And he said, I knew then God was saying, this is where you're supposed to be. Listen to me. You plant a seed and God brings a what? A, a harvest. And we have special services and special events that we, and we say, hey, bring people, bring people, make a difference, make a difference, make a difference. Like, like, like coming up, the, the, we got Easter coming up, right? And what, what, what are we doing? We're, we're, we're handing out these, these, these cards are very cool, by the way. We're handing out these cards and we're saying, hey, make sure that you put these cards in somebody's hand. Invite them, invite them, invite them, invite them. It's the easiest time of the year to get people to come to church. And then, and then, and then, then we're, 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 we're also hand, giving out eggs. And so giving out baskets, which I think is a really cool idea. 
And we're saying, take these baskets full of these eggs and, 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 and give, them, give them to a person. If it's a person you work with, your next door neighbor, just go and, and invite somebody and bring somebody. And to be honest with you, the first time our team talked about a plastic egg and putting something in, honestly, I thought that's just about crazy. I don't know if that'll work. Then I, I really felt like, I really felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said this. He said, yeah. And so is putting mud on a blind man's eyes. That doesn't make any sense. That's foolish. He said, why would Jesus put mud on a blind man's eyes? Here's why. Jesus knew the power of taking another step. Because Jesus said, now go and wash it off. We know the power of a person taking a next step. That comes to a church service where they could have the opportunity to come to know God. As I wrap up this morning, I got a question. Can an egg... Change somebody's life. I think it can. If it's in the hands of the right person. If it's in the hands of the right person. So on the way out today. Make sure you grab your baskets. Make sure you get your cards. In the next few weeks. Listen. Next few weeks. Pray and say God. Show me the person. To invite. Show me the person that I can be used by to make a difference in their life. Why? Because that is our mission. It's, it's quiet in this church this morning. I know you're going, you're always trying to get us to do something. No, I'm just trying to get you to be something. I think God's talking to us and he's saying, I'm, I just want you to realize the season that you have the privilege of living in. As we relate to God as the Lord of the harvest, time, timing becomes very obvious. Timing becomes very obvious. The other day I was sitting at a traffic line. I mean, you know, when you take a certain route to a, a route that you have a habit of taking all the time. You, you kind of get, you know, you know the timing of the lights. You know what I'm saying? You, you know the timing of red lights if you have red lights on the way. So, so you, know, you know that when you're driving, that if you, can, if you can get up to the red light at a certain time, you know that when that light turns green, you're going to be able to make it before it turns red again. Well, I got one of those. And I remember I was... I was, I was like right at the edge. I was like six cars back and the light turned green. And when the light turned green, the car, the cars in front of me took off and they started making the turn all except one. And that was the one that was immediately in front of me. (laughs) How many of you can feel my pain? And to be honest with you, I wanted to, I wanted to lay on the horn, roll the window down and say, hey, go. 
Because I could tell they had their head down. Responding to a text, responding to whatever, swiping right, I don't know. All I know is we weren't moving. So instead of, instead of just laying on the horn and hollering out the window because I knew that wouldn't make Jesus happy, although I really wanted to, I just, I just gave a little beep, beep. You know, there's a difference between, there's language, there's a horn language, there's beep, beep, and there's, bang. I mean, and I decided just to go to beep, beep. And when I gave the little bump, bump, guess what they did? They kind of picked their head up. Wow, took off. I still got stuck at the light. But nevertheless, I think what God is saying today, I think what the Holy Spirit is saying today is this. He's giving us that beep, beep. The light's green, but your, your focus is somewhere else. The light's green, but our focus is somewhere else. Beep, beep. Listen to what Jesus said in John four thirty-five. He said, you have a saying, four months till harvest. Listen, listen to what he says. But I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields ready for harvest. When? Can you hear the urgency in his voice? Can you hear that? Can you hear that? He said, get your eyes up. You're here. He'll be here. And it's like he's bumping that horn. He's going, come on. It's time to go. It's not time to sit still. It's not time to sit back and wait. It's time to go. So who is God to you? Is he your father? Is he your father? Is he your creator? You value relationships, being in healthy relationships? Let me ask you this. Is he the Lord of the harvest to you? Is he the Lord of the harvest to you? Because if he is, you you will quit talking about one day and start talking about now. Now is the time to reach people. Now is the time to get on with our mission. Now is the time to stay focused, to be passionate with what God's called us to do. It's now. It's now. Beep, beep. Can we pray?